0: And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, Memories
1: and fears. Memories and fears. Christmas can be about memories and fears. Mostly when we think about our past, we think about memories. But that original Christmas had a lot of fear in it. So I'd like to have both of those present as we think about Christmas tonight. First, though, let's start with a good one, right? Let's start with memories. That seems a lot more Christmassy than does fears. So, let me ask: if there's any kids bold enough out there, what are some things you like about Christmas? If you can just shout out anything you like about Christmas, that would be great. Anything? Family. Family good. Presents. Presents good. Happiness. happiness. What? What else? Cookies. No, Nobody said this church service yet. <laughs> Christmas lights, music, all of those things. Many of our loves of Christmas are actually memories. Memories that build up over time. That's why we create traditions. We're trying to get back at some memory of the past. You know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie A Christmas Carol... Well, I know it was originally a book by Dickens, but the only one I really remember is Mickey's Christmas Carol. It's the story of Christmas past when Ebenezer Scrooge, played by the McDuck guy looks through a window at the time when he was younger, at a Christmas in his past, when there's music and food and dancing and fire in the fireplace and good friends together. And that's the memory that Ebenezer Scrooge has of Christmas past, this wonderful, joyful time. Now, not all of our memories of Christmas are pleasant. Most of mine are, but I do have one very sad or frustrating or Just really unpleasant memory. So every Christmas when I was young, we would go to my aunt's house. And as we entered into her house, there on the left was the Christmas tree in the formal living room. And sitting all around the Christmas tree were presents, dozens and dozens of presents. And this was because my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, everyone was gathered. And the first thing I would do when I went into the house was I would go and check which ones had my name on it. Okay, Johnny, okay, Johnny... You know, I'd start counting them up, right? But I wasn't allowed to unwrap them until after, after many hours, it seemed like. First, we would have hors d'oeuvres. And then a more formal dinner. And then sometime afterwards, we as kids were dismissed, but the adults would sit around eating cookies and pie. Well, at the time when I would get dismissed, I went back over to the presents. And they were gone. Everyone that had my name on it was gone. Something welled up deep within me, something horrible. I started wailing and crying, bawling, just bawling. My presence were gone. And then from around the corner, my cousin was laughing. And then everyone was laughing, and I was crying even more. I mean, he was 10 years older than me, and I was like 5 or 6 or 10 or 15. I don't remember how old I was, but I was bawling because my presence were gone I've never gotten him back There's always time always time Now, most of our memories of Christmas are wonderful ones, and and even my aunt's house was filled with memories of the luminaries as you drove into her neighborhood, or the foods that we have, or just being with cousins and family and aunts and uncles and grandparents, or the next morning we went to my great-grandmother's house, and the smell of the breakfast brunch with the sausage and the fruit and the spiced cider, and everything was in the air, and still with family and the music, and it's all in there in my head in these great memories of Christmas. And kids who are out there, who look forward to Christmas because of the presents or the food, I want you to know that if you talk to your parents or your grandparents or just about anybody in this room who's an adult, if they really let their memories go back to Christmas's past, they would start tearing up quickly. Because you remember being with people who aren't here anymore. Or you remember houses that you visited that no longer exist or your family no longer lives in. We remember and long to go back to those times when Christmas was just like it was back then, and we can't go back. You know, good memories, not just Christmas memories, create longings inside of us. It's a desire to return back to them. And those of us who have kids know that when you look at pictures of your children when they're little, it brings tears to your eyes. You want to go back to when they were so cute, and maybe they're not so cute anymore but when they were so young. And, or you yourself want to go back to when life was just simpler and joyful and it involved riding bikes, throwing a ball and doing what you wanted in the summer. Of course, most of our memories are not reality. It was never that good. But it, it's the way our memory works. And I think there's something more going on there something that St. Augustine tapped into, something that J.R.R. Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings was hinting at. It's this idea that our memories, our fondest memories, are actually tapping into something deeper inside of us, something spiritual, something that is in us, something that God put in us. We all desire more. And our memory is a way of getting at those desires. C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and other books, hit on this in one of his essays where he talked about the fact that beauty and memory are actually longing for something more than what we can get in this world. He said, these things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire, but they are not what we are truly looking for and longing for. Our memories are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country We have never yet visited. Our memories, memories of Christmas, memories that we want to go back to, are longings for a place and an experience we've never actually known. It's for peace or joy or love that's deeper than we've ever tasted. You see, good memories are actually a longing for eternity, they're a longing for heaven a longing that can only be met by knowing God. And so I would suggest that all of our longings to get back to Christmas's past should be redirected towards those deeper desires for heaven and for God himself. Point us in the right direction and let them cause us to ponder what we're truly after. This is functionally what Mary was doing in Luke 2.19. We didn't read this part, but at the end of the entire scene, after Mary has had the baby and the, and the angels have come to the shepherds and the shepherds have come to visit Mary, we read that Mary, Mary then took all of this in and she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Do you know what pondering means? It means to look at something from all sides. The the root word in the Bible there is to look at things from two sides, from both sides, or to look at it from multiple perspectives. In other words, we should take the thing that we're supposed to look at, which in this case was Christ, and spend a lot of time dwelling on that, thinking about that, not just by ourselves, but with one another. In other words when we have those memories of Christmases past, we should let that drive us towards our true desires, to point us in the right direction, toward our deeper longing for heaven and for God. And then what we should do is consider, ponder, look at Christmas, God who came down for us, which is our deepest longings actually fulfilled. Memories, and fears. Memories and fears. So what are you afraid of, right? And again, if I ask kids, kids, what are some things that people tend to be afraid of? Anything. Yes. The dark. Good one. What else? Sisters or brothers. <laughs> brothers, right? Fear of spiders. Fear of the basement, anyone ever have that one? Fear of heights, right? We don't often associate fears with Christmas, but cartoonist Charles Schultz seemed to associate the two in his Charlie Brown's Christmas. Do you remember when Charlie Brown goes to sit with Lucy, the psychiatrist? Charlie Brown is dealing with the depression of the season, and Lucy, seeking to help him, says, "'Charlie Brown, I think we better pinpoint your fears.'" If we can find out what you're afraid of, then we can label it. Are you afraid of responsibility? If you are, then you have hypengeophobia. I don't think that's quite it, Charlie Brown says. Are you afraid of staircases? If you are, then you have climacophobia. Maybe you have thalassophobia. That's the fear of the ocean. Or jephorobia, which is the fear of crossing bridges. Or maybe, maybe you have pantophobia. Pantophobia. Do you think you have pantophobia, Charlie Brown? Well, what's pantophobia? Oh, the fear of everything. That's it, Charlie Brown says, the fear of everything. Fear and Christmas don't seem to go together. And yet, when you read through the original stories, in Luke 1 and 2, in Matthew 1 and 2, the word that comes back again and again is fear and trembling. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, was troubled and fear fell on him. Mary was greatly troubled. Joseph, in Matthew 1, was deeply afraid, and the shepherds, we read, were sore afraid. The Greek word behind our English translation is phobos, phobia, right? Fear. But with the shepherds, we get that they were mega-phobos. They were super afraid, or as the King James puts it, sore afraid. Now, why might fear be the right response to the birth of Jesus. Think about it completely differently. If your life is built on something, like your talents, or your successes, or your beauty, or your intelligence, your career, what happens when somebody who is more talented, or more beautiful, or more successful or more intelligent, walks into the room. The natural feeling is to be threatened. You're actually afraid. You're threatened and afraid because that person's existence shakes your very identity. It challenges your worth. It challenges who you are. Now, to get to the whole Christmas thing, what's the basic human problem? The basic human problem is selfishness. Or to put it in the terms of the Bible, it's that we worship ourselves instead of God. So what happens, along the same lines, what happens when those of us who want to be in control, who are independently minded, who like to think that we have everything in our grasp, those of us who basically play God, what happens when we meet somebody who is infinitely more powerful infinitely more holy, infinitely more God than us. Christmas is a threat to us because the real God has entered the room, which is why so many of us choose instead to ignore Jesus. Because if we pretend like a little kid playing hide-and-seek that he's not in the room then we can go on imagining life is in control the way we want it to be. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor who was executed by the Nazis, said this, no powerful person dares to approach the manger. For this is where thrones shake, the mighty fall, the prominent perish, because God is with the lowly. Before Mary the maid, before the manger of Christ, before God in lowliness, the powerful come to naught. They have no right, no hope. They are judged. You know, no one who ever actually met Jesus was indifferent to him. Nobody met Jesus and said, eh, eh. Everyone who ever met Jesus in the Gospels either fell down and worshipped him as God, or they were deeply afraid and tried to kill him. There were no lukewarm, indifferent responses to people who actually met him. So fear may be the right response. And yet, what do the angels say? The angels say to Mary, to Joseph, they say to the shepherds, do not fear, fear not. Why? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Don't be afraid because I have good news for the entire world. Everything you've been longing for, your deepest desires, everything your memory has been pointing to has arrived in the cradle. God is here. Everything you've ever wanted is here. Do not be afraid. This is good news. But of course, as the song goes on at the end, as the angels are singing glory to God in the highest, we get that it is good news for some. We read this. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But that's the King James translation. And the King James translation was about 500 years ago. Based on some texts that that were in existence then, now we have some newer texts that help to elucidate it a little bit. And most every translation now changes that goodwill toward men into with whom he is pleased or on whom his favor rests. In other words, this good news about Jesus means there can be peace for you if God is pleased with you. So who is God pleased with? On whom does God's favor rest? Is it the good? The religious? Nice guys? It's not. Throughout the Bible, as Jesus comes and enters, it's not the good who are in and the bad who are out, but the humble who are in and the proud who are out. It's those who don't try to stand on their own record or abilities or goodness who are in, and the powerful and the successful and the ones who stand on their own goodness and religiousness who are out. You see, deep down in, the humble are those who acknowledge their neediness, and they're willing to let God be God in their life. And so the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the Magi, what do they all have in common? It's not that they're good. It's that they're humble. And they're willing. We don't have to be afraid. This is good news. Our dreams are fulfilled. Our memories, our longings have been fulfilled at Christmas. And the hymn writer, I think he got it when he wrote, where meek souls will receive him, the dear Christ enters in. Let's pray. God, our memories are filled with so many thoughts of things that we long for. What we really need to fulfill our deepest desires is you. May we be confronted with the one who shakes every throne, with the baby in the manger who destroys the proud and lifts up the lowly. And may we with meek souls receive him so that he might enter into our room and be our Lord. Amen.
2: to men from heaven's all gracious, the whole inside of stillness to Him. Yeah.